in this brief encounter with this Syrophoenician woman, Jesus exposes the sacred traditions, the religious rules and protocols widely held among the Israelites, including his own disciples, that there is no place for foreigners, certainly not Canaanites, among God's chosen people. Maybe we thought that things would calm down a bit this, uh, this Sunday after uh, last week Peter climbed up over the gunwale of the boat and, you know, stood out on those raging seas, having been called by Jesus to so go ahead, give it a try. Um, but today we get to the story of Jesus um, moving out into the borderlands, the borderlands between Israel and foreign, even uh, most in Israel would say enemy territory in the Canaanite regions way up in the in the northwest outside of uh, Israel, where he encounters there a Gentile, uh, as we would expect. It's a Gentile woman who begs Jesus to heal her demon-possessed daughter. Um, and at first, there's just no getting around it. Uh, we heard it as Dan read that Scripture for us. Jesus appears to be rude to her. You know, at least according to uh, the standards uh, we would go by today. Yeah, this was a first century Jewish rabbi, Jesus, faced with uh, a Gentile, uh, a woman attempting to speak with him, engage with him in public, according to religi uh, the religious tradition and and practice and norms of his day. Jesus didn't need an excuse to ignore and not talk to this woman. In Matthew's telling of this story, even the disciples seem to be uh, aware of these standards and they want Jesus. I mean, this just isn't a good look, not to mention this woman is yelling and yelling and won't stop. They want him to send her away. And it seems to get even worse before it gets better because when this woman persists, then Jesus insults her. It's not fair to take the children's food and to throw it to the dogs, he says. Seminary professor, biblical scholar Richard Ward writes, how long is the silence that ensues after she receives this treatment? Jesus Shrugging dismissal, the disciples' complaints that she annoys them. And now this insulting declaration that the mission of God's representative on earth does not include her or her daughter. One can almost feel, Richard Ward writes, the old wineskins of religious tradition stretched to the breaking point in the presence of deep human need. But this woman proves herself more than a match for this, this slight because she responds with a fairly quick rebuttal of her own. 
Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table, she points out. And at this point, this moment, Jesus sees in this person, this Gentile, this woman, something that he, he's always looking for. Something he's always looking to find or to give. When he reached out to grab Peter's hand while Peter began to sink into the raging sea last week, Jesus said, oh, why such little faith? And now Jesus looks at this desperate Gentile woman reaching out to him, and he sees it. He sees faith in her. In this brief encounter with this Syrophoenician woman, Jesus exposes the sacred traditions, the religious rules and protocols widely held among the Israelites, including his own disciples, that there is no place for foreigners, certainly not Canaanites, among God's chosen people. And also, the established patriarchy that holds hierarchies in place that are so unfair to women, among other things, to, to radically understate the reality. In this passage, Jesus has taken the good news way out to the borderlands. He's way up there in the north. The border between Israel and foreign territory, the border between who's in and who's out. And there he finds someone in deep need. Who among us wouldn't plead for one of our children? And he finds this person on the other side of that wall, on the other side of that very real border. And we should be reminded we should know it sitting here today or at home that you and I were born on the wrong side of this same border. This woman, this Syrophoenician woman with a daughter in need, she pleads for us. And she seems to recognize somehow that there is room for her in this kingdom that Jesus is ushering in. She will not be excluded, not by her gender identity, not by her nationality, not by her religious traditions or background. Just in the past few weeks, as we've moved through Matthew's Gospel, we've been reminded that when Jesus shows up, thousands of hungry people are fed, not just with enough, but there are 12 baskets left over. When Jesus shows up, those of us with a teetering faith, distracted by the troubles surrounding us, are taken by the hand and lifted back up. Where people gather around Jesus, grace, mercy, and abundance come spilling over. Matthew's Gospel reminds us today that to follow Jesus is not about a birthright or a nationality or religious pedigree. It's about drawing near to Jesus and hoping, even expecting, Him to heal, to restore, to save. 
Church-type people sometimes don't think of faith in this way. We can have the tendency to say things like, in order to belong to the church, you, you really must understand and believe X, Y, and Z. We have catechisms and creeds and dogmas. But faith is also a matter of somebody yearning for, searching for, hope or healing or belonging, maybe hoping for inclusion or forgiveness or acceptance, and maybe having been led to believe that they're not worthy of any of these things. Maybe, sometimes, even by the very church which is supposed to hold this gospel as a treasure to share with the world. The gospel of hope, healing, belonging, Inclusion, forgiveness, acceptance. Listen, these things are a matter of life and death. And blessed are those who reach toward Jesus. Like Peter, last week, the Canaanite woman this week. But our grasp often exceeds our reach, doesn't it? So we approach this altar, this table, on wobbly legs. Pretty sure that we're not ready or worthy or religious enough or understand well enough. We hold out our trembling hand we ask to be saved, included, forgiven. It is said that a small slip of paper was found in the pocket of Martin Luther after he died. After all of the tomes he had written, theological treatises, the 95 theses, after all of the proclamation, the hundreds of sermons, a little slip of paper in his pocket read, we are all beggars. This is the truth. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon, she begged. And a final order was crossed. So we have uh, been fed and forgiven through word and sacrament. Uh, we are bearers of good news, uh, and we are to carry this out into the world with us, um, to share it uh, with others. Uh, and so, uh, as we prepare to uh, do just that, uh, a reminder that next Sunday we'll welcome back Pastor Natalia, so 
Uh, we're looking forward to that. We don't have to clap and be that happy. Like, you know, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm clapping too. I, it's a miracle I made it through the summer without her. Um, I barely know what I'm doing most of the time. And uh, so can't wait to welcome her back next Sunday and move into this next season of ministry together here at Prince of Peace. So let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.